Okay, everyone. Um, today, I want to talk about spiritual formation. This is going to be the topic for this series. It's really something I have learned a lot about relatively recently through uh, a sermon series I was listening to and some different things I was reading. It was really impactful and, and influential for me. And I wanted to take this stuff and kind of compile the best of it into a series that I could share with you. And um, just right off the bat, I'll share one quote that a pastor named John Mark Comer, he's a pastor up in Oregon, or used to be a pastor up in Oregon, and something he said was this. He said, to be human is dynamic, not static. To be human is dynamic, not static. We are all being transformed. And to me, that's an intensely sobering thought. I mean, we are being made, even now, into someone. We're not just living. We're not simply existing. We're becoming. Uh, And that kind of brings up the question, who are we becoming? I mean, if we call ourselves Christians, those of us who call ourselves Christians, then obviously we feel comfortable enough claiming the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's what we're doing when we say we are Christians. We're taking the name of Christ upon ourselves. We're we're identifying ourselves with the identity of Jesus. We're labeling ourselves with his name. But are we actually living like he did? Um, Are we speaking like he did? And the question I want to ask myself, and I think we all should wrestle with, is what does it mean to say we're a Christian? What is the definition of a Christian? Or what would some synonyms for Christian, quote unquote, be? Uh, I mean, I think to me, in in biblically speaking, um, you would come to terms like disciple or follower. When we claim to be Christians, Um, We are not only boldly taking on Christ's name and thus his identity, but we actually mean, hey, we follow Jesus Christ. We are disciples of him. He is our master. But we need to wrestle with the fact of, is this actually true? You know, we claim to be Christians. We claim to be disciples. But are we actually becoming like Christ? Are we actually living like him, imitating him, speaking like him, thinking like him, walking in his footsteps? If we, if every human being is living a dynamic life, like John Mark Comer said, and not a static life, if we're living a dynamic life and becoming someone, then who is it that we are becoming? Are we becoming more and more like Jesus? Can we trace that transformative trajectory throughout our lives? Are we being formed into the image of Jesus? And and really, what does that even mean? What would it even mean to be formed into the image of Christ, to become like him? Um, I think what the Bible teaches is that it, that it means to, to think and act like Jesus thought and acted. John Mark, again, another quote from him, he puts it this way. Spiritual formation in Christ is an exchange of Jesus' ideas for ours. It's it's taking Jesus' ideas and putting them into our our thinking, into our mind. It's taking Jesus' practices and way of life and putting them into our way of life and our practices. 
It's a destruction of our way of thinking and a development of Christ's way of thinking in us. But just changing the way we think is only part of the transformation. It's only one aspect of the story. I mean, I don't know who uh, of y'all have read Romans 7, but if you can think back what Paul is talking about in Romans 7, he says so many of us um, can think of how we want to live, but we fail to do it. So many things we actually do are things that we hate. I mean, he's talking about this process of sanctification and live living in accordance with your will and your intention. And he says so many of us will, um, so many of us intend to live in discipleship to Jesus. We, we intend to obey, but we fail to do so. And a lot of times we find ourselves actually doing things that are contrary to, to what we want to do. So clearly thinking is only moderately transformative. It's, it's not the whole picture. And what John Mark Hummer says is you have to combine thinking with doing. And this is what he says. He says, you can't think your way to Christ-likeness. Listen to that one more time. You cannot think your way to Christ-likeness. What you know is not always what you do. We do what we love. So not only must we know certain things in order to be changed, but we almost, but we also must love certain things in order to be completely transformed. And, and this makes a lot of sense on some level, right? I mean, most of us that have grown up in the church know that you can be in the church and know all the right answers, but still not live for the Lord, still not live in true devotion to him. You can get every question right on a Bible exam, but not really know the Jesus of the Bible. You can show up and go through all the motions and look really religious on the outside, but your heart be distant from the Lord. I mean, isn't this exactly the issue that the Pharisees were dealing with when Jesus came to earth and started to break down the the wrong assumptions and the, the preconceived notions about what it meant to truly know God? I mean, one of the things he said is, hey, you can look really good on the outside and you can know a lot about the scriptures and miss the point entirely. And what John Mark is saying here is you can think the right things in so many ways, but it's got to be more than that. You also have to change your priorities. You have to change what you value. Your love has to change. The things that you love have to change in order to, to truly achieve real change and transformation. Um, and this is where this notion of practices and habits come in and become so important because action flows from the heart. I mean, that's true, right? We do things based on what we prioritize and value and love that the decisions we make and the actions we take flow from our heart, but the actions we take and the decisions we make, the habits that we form also transform our hearts. They work together. Um, the, the, the heart 
influences the actions, but the actions also influence the heart. To practice something, to form a habit, is to direct our love towards something. It's not to be passive, but to be active and say, I'm going to direct my heart to go after something. And the way that I'm going to do that is by building certain practices and habits and actions into my life. To practice something, to form a habit, is to direct our love, to direct our heart. And the way we change our heart is to change our actions. Okay? Christianity is a way of life. It's not just a set of ideas. And because it's a way of life and not just a set of ideas, it has to change our thinking, yes, but it has to change more than our thinking. It has to actually change our day-to-day living and doing. So in order to change, in order to become like Jesus, we have to learn to think like him and to act like him. That's the goal of this series. We're not just trying to learn more. Again, if we only learn more throughout this series, then that will be a failure. Because again, what are we saying? You can't learn enough to truly become like him. You have to combine learning with doing. That's the goal. That's the goal of the Christian life. So what we're going to do throughout this series is we're going to ask ourselves, how did Jesus think? And then what did he do? What were his priorities? What were his values? And then we want to learn how do we emulate that? How do we follow that? How do we follow in his footsteps? And to learn what he thought I don't, how are we going to learn what Jesus thought? I mean, we can't just look into Jesus's heart and mind, can we? I mean, I, I think in some way we can, right? We have the scriptures and they reveal the heart of Christ. We have Jesus's teaching. We can see what his prop, what some of his primary um, teaching principles were, the things he came back to over and over and over again as he traveled around teaching uh, his followers, teaching the crowds, teaching, most importantly, his disciples. So as we move forward throughout this series, we want to discuss about five or six primary teaching principles that Jesus focused on throughout his ministry. Five or six primary topics that Jesus kept coming back to. And we can just tell as we study the life of Jesus and the words of Jesus, these things were foremost in his thinking. They were important to him. He was stressing. He was stressing these topics over and over and over to his disciples. Um, And then we also want to... Uh, focus on his just kind of philosophy of life and his his practices and his habits, ways he, he lived. We're going to identify, in addition to the five or six kind of teaching principles, and look, this is not exhaustive. We're not saying we're covering every single thing that Jesus ever taught in these five or six principles. We're just trying to really kind of sum up and, and, and kind of boil down Jesus's primary points into maybe five or six of them. Um, It's not exhaustive. It's just more of a focused study on what was really, really important and foremost in his mind. But also, we're going to look at, like I said, three or four of his habits, three or four practices we see Jesus implement into his day-to-day life. So, um, I got a lot of this information, like I said, from some John Mark Comer uh, teaching series and, and from other things I've read, including some from this guy named Dallas Willard. And look, I don't recommend everything John Mark Comer says or writes. I don't recommend everything that Dallas Willard says or writes. Um, and, that, and that's pretty much the case with everyone. But there is a lot of good stuff in those two guys in particular and many others. So if this topic is interesting to you, I can point you to some other resources 
by those guys that, that really kind of form a lot of the, the basis for the stuff we're going to be looking at over the next um, few weeks in this series. But let me share with you a Dallas Willard quote. So he was quoting actually like a, a business professional, professional, someone in, in management and when he said this. And this is what he said. He said, the system that you have is perfectly designed to yield the result that you're getting. Let me say that one more time. The system that you have is perfectly designed to yield the results that you're getting. And this is kind of the profound but but painful truth, right? And really all of us have to kind of agree with it on some level, is that um, spiritual formation and whether we're actually accomplishing anything in transformation of our lives and real heart change and real life change. Um, if we're not seeing many results, then we have to say, okay, then we're, we're obviously doing something wrong. That, that's more or less what this is saying. If we're not seeing the results that we want to see, then something is wrong with the way that we're living. If we look at our lives and we're unhappy with how little we look like Jesus, if we can look at our speech and our habits and say, no, these do not look very Christ-like, then we must ask the question, why? We can't keep doing the same things and expect different results. We can't. We can't keep doing the same old things and all of a sudden just expect that one day we're going to turn into a Christ-like man or woman of God. That's not how it works. We must create an environment where the Holy Spirit will work. We can't change ourselves. Now, that's true. I'm not saying that we can change ourselves. We cannot change ourselves. This is the work of God. But we must submit to the Spirit's work in our lives. We can pray heartily for transformation. We should pray frequently and fervently for God to change us. But we also must strive in, in action toward what lies ahead. It was like Paul said, I'll strive forward to what lies ahead, the goal of Christ-likeness and maturity in Christ. You know, C.S. Lewis, um, especially in one of his books called The Great Divorce, he, he kind of wrote about this topic. And he talked about how earth is really a foretaste of heaven or a foretaste of hell, depending on the person. And what he was really trying to say is this, we're all on a journey to a destination. Some of us are headed towards heaven. Some of us are headed towards hell. And every step along the way in this journey is making us either more and more heavenly to when we finally arrive, we're ready and prepared to enter into heaven because God's been changing us and working in us and producing something in us and transforming us to a more and more and more heavenly Christ-like creature who's prepared to walk into glory and fellowship with him forever. Or we're being transformed into a more and more hellish, for lack of a better word, person. Someone who's actually further corrupt and wicked and and unchristlike, who's who's further deformed. Instead of being spiritually formed, someone who's more and more deformed with every step they take along the path. And they become more and more hellish the closer and closer to hell they become. Earth is either a foretaste of heaven or it's a foretaste of hell. There isn't, earth is not neutral ground. We can just live how we want. We're becoming something now. Even today, the decisions we are making and the way we are living and the way we are thinking and the way we are speaking is preparing us for either heaven or hell.
So, you know, uh, that's a super profound point to me that I thought that was really impactful. And that's a lot of what we're going to be kind of focusing on throughout this series. And then I'll I'll quote another person, too. Then Pastor Reader used to quote this guy a lot. His name is Jay Gresham Machen. And he said this one. Let me see. Christ died is history. And Christianity is a religion that is foundationally historical. I mean, it's history. We're not just a religion that focuses on mere mysticism or spirituality. Um, I mean, mysticism and, and spirituality, I mean, that absolutely has its place in Christianity. But but we um, believe in a God who actually lived a human life in Jesus Christ. So for us, for Christians, for people who call themselves followers of Christ, we have a real life model. We have a real life example to follow, a blueprint for how to structure our lives like God would have us. We don't have to just think in abstract concepts. We can look at the person of Jesus Christ and say, this is how God created us to live. He can be the blueprint for our lives and our discipleship. And to me, that that makes me ask the question, what does the blueprint of my life reveal? I mean, we're all building lives, right? Think about it. As college students, we're, you, you're, you're picking majors, you're um, picking internships, you're picking friendships, you're picking networks and groups to become a part of and to do. In a sense, you're building a resume for a future career. You might even be dating someone for a future marriage. Uh, we're all building a life in some sense, right? What kind of life are we building? We're drawing Uh, almost like an architect, a life with our thought patterns and our habits. Well, what what kind of life are we drawing? The, the, The way that we live is making us into someone. Who are we becoming? And we're we're about to, we're about to sum this up, but, but I think this is really important before we end this, this first lesson on the topic of spiritual formation and becoming like Christ, true discipleship. And it's this, one of the most important things before embarking on a season where you, where you focus specifically on spiritual formation is to formulate in your mind a vision for who Jesus was, for, for who he is. I mean, think about that. If you, I mean, how in the world would you know how to live if you're, attempting to imitate someone that you don't even have a clear vision of who they are and how they think and how they live. So, so you have to have a good, clear vision of Christ in order to actually follow after him. And there's a lot of scriptures um, to this end. And I'm not necessarily going to read all of them right now, but I am going to list them. And, and I think it'd be helpful if later you went and maybe read these throughout the week and maybe some of your quiet times or whatever. But I mean, when you think about it, Isaiah 53 verses two through three, they say that Jesus was not necessarily popular or successful by worldly measures or physically attractive or charismatic in a way that we typically think of when we think of people who have a large circle of influence like Jesus. That's not who he was. But at the same time, when you look at his life, you see like in, in Luke 4:22, the people who were around Jesus were amazed at the way he spoke. When you look at Luke 9:25, you see that they were amazed at the power that he manifested. When you see John 4:27, you see that um, the people marveled at how Jesus crossed cultural norms to radically show 
a, a new way of living, a new way of life. When you look at John chapter 7, verse 15, you see that the people were astounded at how Jesus was wise and knowledgeable in a way that the world, it, it was surpassing anything the world had known before him. When you look at Mark 5, 19 through 20, you see that people were taken aback at how merciful and radically generous and overwhelmingly others-centered Jesus was. He was pouring out his life. He was living for the sake of others to the point that you would be shocked. It was unlike anything that was ever seen before. Matthew 8, 27, it literally talks about how, how the people at the time would say of Jesus, they would say, what sort of man is this? What sort of man is this? And what I would say is this. Do people ask that question of you and I? Do they look at our lives and say, what sort of man is this? What sort of woman is this? And if they did, what would be the answer? A Christian? A follower of the way of Jesus? Um, one who lives like Jesus lived? It's absolutely imperative, so important, that we develop a vision of the real Jesus, the Jesus of history, because that's the Jesus that we're going to follow throughout this series. That's the Jesus we're going to learn from. We're going to sit there and ask questions and say, how do you think, Jesus? What was important to you? What did you value? How did you live? Because that's as his disciples, as his followers, as those who are calling ourselves by his name and identifying ourselves with him, that's the way we must also think and speak and live. You know, John 20, 21 is a, is a really interesting verse. And in it, Jesus says that he is sending us Christians out on the same mission that the Father, that God the Father sent him. Like God the Father sent Jesus to do something, and now Jesus is sending us. We, as his disciples, as his followers, are meant to carry on the work of Christ, to carry on, in a sense, in some sense, right, the life of Christ, advancing his mission, adopting his lifestyle. You know, I heard Tim Keller point out one time that, that John Calvin, you know, one of the, the great Reformation fathers of the faith, he sums up the Christian life from 1 Corinthians 1.16. He sums it up from, from 1 Corinthians 1.16. And basically what he says is, you are not your own. You were purchased with the blood of Christ. You know, what that's saying is the same grace that saves you and raises you from the dead to life in Christ is also the grace that liberates you from enslavement to sin. It's also the grace that disciples you. It's also the grace that transforms you and changes you and mandates how you are to live. So many people want the grace that saves, but they don't want the grace that transforms they want the grace that, that brings life, but they really don't want to put to death any sin. The grace of God brings us to life by putting to death our old ways, our old lifestyle, the penalty of sin against us, but also the presence and practice of sin in our lives. Um, 
you know, John Mark Comer says this. He says, human beings, we're okay at learning. You know, we're halfway decent at learning. There's a lot of things we can do. I mean, you, you get this, right? You're in college. You're learning things on a, usually on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. There's probably a lot that you know now, wherever you're at in your college career, that you didn't know coming out of high school. I mean, we're okay at learning. God gave us wonderful minds. But we're fantastic at imitating. We're, we're absolutely unbelievable at imitating. And not only that, but we're easily enraptured, easily captivated by beauty. And as we move forward through this series, our goal isn't merely to learn. We'll learn. We want to learn. We want to study the scriptures, study Jesus. We want to learn. But we need to be actively applying what we learn to our lives. We need to be captivated by the beauty of Christ. So captivated that we imitate him. We need to form new habits, habits that align with Christ's likeness and have the goal of spiritual formation. We need to become excited about and and wonder at the beauty of the real Jesus. This is what's going to sustain us. This is what's going to strengthen us. This is what's going to motivate us to persevere when times are tough and spiritual maturity seems elusive, like it's, it's hard to get. Like, oh, wow, I've been walking with Christ for a long time, and I still don't feel like I'm spiritually mature. That's what's going to keep us going. That's going to be our motivation. The beauty of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the glory of Jesus before us. We see him with our eyes fixed on him. That's what the scriptures say is going to transform us from one degree of glory to another. Um, but really, we also have to have a caution. Um, we have to have... A caution. And that would be this. As John Mark Comer says, we are focused on practice, not performance. Let me say that one more time. We're focusing in this series on practice, but not performance. Don't get this confused. We are not trying to preach here. We're not trying to say that Jesus is teaching, that the Bible is teaching a version of works-based righteousness. Absolutely not. This is not a way to earn salvation. You cannot form habits in your life that please God enough to save you and make you worthy of heaven. No, no, you cannot do that. You cannot change your thinking enough in your own power so that you can earn God's love. No, this is not about performance in order to earn God's love. This is about a way of life that flows out of an understanding and a deep appreciation for God's love. You have to give yourself tons of grace. Progress in this kind of stuff is slow. Slow. Um, Often it's two steps forward and one step back. Often we're beaten down and battered and bruised. Thank the Lord that the scriptures teach that God will not um, break a bruised reed and he won't quench a faintly burning wick. And what's that, what that means is God meets us in our weakness with tremendous compassion and grace and strength for this journey because this journey is long and hard. It's discipleship to Christ. Look at the life of Christ. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We will be too if we go after him, but that's okay because Jesus is all that we need. And he promises that he will lead us into green pastures and beside still waters. And he'll restore our souls. And he is the one who will you know, strengthen us and confirm us and establish us and restore us. 
He is our God. He will be there with us. Give yourself tons of grace in Christ. Allow the grace of Christ to come in and remind yourself over and over and over of the gospel. We don't perform our way into his favor. It's his favor and love that change the way we live. So let's strive together over the next few weeks as we talk about this topic of spiritual formation to catch a glimpse of the biblical, historical, authentic Jesus Christ. And let's become so in love with him that it deeply changes us. And the verse I'll I'll read to end us is this. 2 Corinthians 3.18, and it says this, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Like Hebrews 12 says, we have to fix our eyes on this Jesus Christ. And the more that we see him, the more we'll be changed, changed in our thinking, changed in what we value, changed in our words, changed in our actions, changed in our habits, changed in our way of life. It's a process. It's a process called being a Christian. It's a process called spiritual formation. Who are we becoming? Are we becoming like Christ? That's the name that we claim. That's the identity that we bear. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for the word of God and thank you for the just the, the beauty of who Jesus is, his love. Lord, we stand in awe of him and we want to be with him. We want to be near him. We want to be identified with him. We want to be hidden in him. We want when you to look out upon us that you see Jesus Christ, you see his righteousness, not our own. Lord, you see his death atoning for our sins. Lord, we see the love that he has for us. We see that he actually models for us the way in which we should live and we're created to live. Lord God, make us true disciples, more like Christ. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.